0: Welcome to the Personal Financial Strategy Podcast, a podcast wholly devoted to you and your relationship with money, bringing expertise to bear on how you earn, invest, and spend your hard earned cash. I'm your host, Tony King, and today we welcome a special guest to the podcast, Bernadette Boas. Bernadette is the author of a book called Shedding the Corporate Bitch Shifting Your Bitches to Riches in Life and Business. She's also the founder. And president of Ballafire Inc., home to both Ballafire Coaching, a coaching, training, and speaking practice, and Ballafire Media, a media, communication, and publishing firm. Both firms are dedicated to helping individuals optimize their personal and professional development. Welcome to the Personal Financial Strategy Podcast, Bernadette.
1: Hi, Tony. How are you? It's great to be here. Oh,
0: thanks for coming. Really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, sharing your views with us. And I'm going to ask you, where do your views come from? Where do you live and work out of?
1: I am in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm Mm -hmm. in uh, the heart of Atlanta, Georgia. And um, that's exactly where I work as well. Um, Like many people, we went from, uh, you know, office buildings to to home bases. So uh, it's a beautiful thing. I've worked out actually out of my home for about 20 years now. So it wasn't a big adjustment for me.
0: Yeah, Uh you were a pioneer.
1: Yeah, yes, I was a one of those early pioneers for sure. I tend to be that in many aspects. I'm not (laughs) sure why, but that's okay.
0: (laughs) Somebody's got to be.
1: Somebody's got to start. Someone has to start. That's right. Yeah. yeah. That's
0: right. Well, Bernadette, I wonder if we could open the show by you telling us your story and the path that led you to a career in coaching.
1: I, you know, when I when I kind of reflect on that question, um, <laughs> I think there's been a degree of coaching uh, kind of born in me. Uh, I'm one of 12 children out of Philadelphia and I'm a middle child. So there's, you know, there's definitely, you know, coaching and taking care of the little kids and then, you know, kind of um, uh, helping and guiding even the older ones as well. But I then moved into uh, being one of 12. We all started working at an early age. (laughs) And uh, if we wanted what we wanted versus what our parents would give us, we had to, you know, earn it. So speaking about money, personal finances. And we appreciated that. I appreciated that. So I started working at very early age. And by the time I was um, in college, I already had a corporate, corporate um, role, corporate job. I kind of was immediately put into a coaching mentoring role um, as a junior executive coaching other junior executives coming into the organization. And so I just kind of pulled that forward. And I stayed in corporate for quite a while, about 25, 26 years climbing the corporate ladder, as they call it, and had many, many roles, everything from um, store manager to a buyer, to a director, to a VP, to a chief knowledge officer until I left, actually was fired in 2000, late, late, late 2007. And quite honestly, my core role in those earlier, earlier years was consulting and consulting in retail and technology. Yet there was always, you know, this coaching aspect. Um, When I was fired, I was actually fired by my mentor of 12 years. That kind of. Just left me standing in the middle of a parking lot with this single box of my 25 year career going, what the hell just happened? Yeah. And um, so that kind of sent me into onto a personal discovery journey that I took for the next couple of years. Very deep. I call it excavating my soul. Very deep. And yet at the same time, when I left corporate, I automatically knew I wasn't going back. OK. Just something told me, even though I was aspiring to be the guru of corporate, something told me I wasn't going back. And the natural thing to do was to start a coaching or I'm sorry, to start a consulting practice. Gotcha. Um, which I did in 2008. Okay. Uh, and I consulted uh, small businesses. I didn't want to go back into corporate, um, even from a consulting perspective yet. So I started with small businesses. And even with the 2008, Again, finances. Even with the 2008 recession and with everything imploding on everyone, mm-hmm. I had a full docket of clients, and that yeah, well, that Tony, you probably were telling people, you know, you can't, you can't get involved with all the noise. You know, wow. when you when the recession or any any financial period comes where there's a crash, there's always a boom. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always cheaper products, cheaper services, cheaper resources, cheaper employees. And so I just told my my clients to just stay stay on track. What I was finding, though, and especially because of that time period, is there was a lot of forget the money loss. There was a lot of confidence loss. There was a lot of personal growth loss. Um, everybody started, you know, kind of playing the victim as a, as opposed to the victor. Mm-hmm. So I thought to myself. I would be much better based on my own experience. I would be much better, not only consulting, but really coaching uh, businesses and the business owners because coaching and we, which we can talk about, but coaching has a whole different aspect to it than consulting. Mm -hmm. So so during this period, I had mentioned that, you know, I went on my own discovery um, journey. I call it excavating my soul to really understand why did my mentor of 12 years um, fire me? Well, uh, long story short, and moving about nine, 10 months forward, I kind of found myself looking in the mirror and seeing this very nasty corporate tyrant, I'll call her. Uh, The book title title explains the (laughs) the, the reality. But uh, I saw myself looking at a corporate tyrant. And that wasn't who I was. That wasn't who I naturally was. Yeah. So, so I just decided that I needed to start not only coaching, but I that's when I wrote the book to teach other people, male or female, that they don't have to be anything but themselves to be successful in business or in their, in their, you know, uh, social life. Um, and that's where coaching, you know, and how I got moved into coaching and how okay. that became such a core part of what I do.
0: Great. It's, uh, that's a story. then that's a journey. Yeah. Uh, I love the self-discovery aspect of it. Sharing <laughs> that experience of being fired. <laughs> I've been fired once in my life. I mean, I think if you're smart, you do a little self-examination on the backside of that.
1: Absolutely.
0: And there's so much I know in my own case, there's so much to be learned. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, which actually didn't come forth for a couple of years mm-hmm. i mean i mean I think the anger <laughs> just just really kind of uh takes over initially, and it's very at least for me it was very difficult to actually get the lesson out of it you know um until a good friend challenged me and said uh have you th- have you ever thought about what your role is was <laughs> And uh, I, I'm like, this is like two years after. And, and I was like, uh, no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it has to be someone else's fault. That's right.
0: Fault. That's right. But that, that led me on a journey that wasn't quick. Um, but I came up with a lot of the same, same things uh, uh, that it seems you discovered that, that I wasn't really being myself in the role that I was in. Right. While much of the role, I, you know, the confusing part for me, Bernadette, was I felt like I was very skilled at the role. And so the confusing part was why would skill and competency be dismissed? That's mm-hmm. when I learned there's more to serving right. than skill and competency.
1: Right. Oh, well, that was, and and I'm sorry that it took you that, you know, took you a while. But sometimes people go through life and never look in, inward. So they never discover kind of where their role and responsibility is. And fortunately, when I was standing in that parking lot and when I say that I revered and, and loved and adored this this person that had let me go, I was hurt. I felt very betrayed. But at the same time, I kind of sense that it had to do with me and not with them. Now, I was a massive producer as well. Like very much like you, Tony. I was a massive producer. I, you know, brought in a lot of money for the company and I did some great great things for the company and I wasn't going to dismiss that. I was not going to just all of a sudden go, "Oh, I must suck or I must not, you know, have been good enough." But I also had to say, "Okay, but what was your role that like that this man would take these steps?" And so fortunately, I've been journaling I've been journaling since I was about eight or nine. I have hundreds of journals that are filled. And so I leaned on that. So I just immediately went and started asking myself a lot of questions, questions that were easy. Of course, you start there. (laughs) Sure. And then then the hard questions. And Mm -hmm. I even went to my family and I said to my sisters um, over some cocktails. I'm like, you know, I have five sisters and my mother actually, and I sat down and I said, you know, I need you to give me one word descriptions of me and don't stop until you've exhausted them and don't think about it. Just what the first thing that comes. I don't care if it's good, bad or ugly. I just want it. And trust me. (laughs) They had a field day with that exercise. Yeah. Um, and that taught me, you know, that again, just brought up a lot of, oh my God, like really, this is how I'm being perceived and how I'm putting myself out there and projecting myself. And so i I was just determined. and it wasn't like this fierce determination. It was almost just like a subtle knowing that I had to do this. I had to confront this. And it actually kind of spearheaded everything and that I do. And I realized also that there was this formula that I used to work myself through that. And that's what I coach on today. And so I, you know, so it's, you know, a shift to riches formula, I call it, and it's discover, confront and shed so you can create and accelerate. So, you know, everyone has to discover themselves, good, bad or indifferent. They then have to confront what they like and don't like, <laughs> what they want and don't want, and all those things. Then they have to make decisions as to what do they want to shed out of their lives, and that could be people, places, and things, um, and, and even themselves, like limiting beliefs and that kind of thing. Or they hold on to things, what I call honor their riches, uh, or they hold on to what they know is truly empowering them. So then they can move on to create and accelerate whatever it is that they want in life. So. My, you know, I call it, you know, I said, excavating my soul. So your original question about how did I got into coaching was now my coaching is all around shifting to riches. So, you know, sh- um, shed your bitches to sh- uh, shift to riches. Um, because I recognize that as good of, as a consultant and a business coach, like I can give you strategies, growth strategies and expansion strategies, marketing strategies every day of the week. But what people deal with and struggle with is their mindset. I didn't get fired because of my skills, like you said. I mm-hmm. didn't get, get let go because of my skills. I got let go because of my mindset. And the way I, I translated that mindset and projected it, which mm. was in a very abrasive way. Yeah. So, so that's what's critical that people recognize. Is, and I always say, Tony, one, one last thing. I always say, we are not robots. So the day of, oh, leave your emotions at the door. That that can't be applied anymore because we're not robots. We have to we have to be accepted for exactly who we are, and then we have to just learn ourselves what we need to do about it.
0: Yeah, that's part of thriving, isn't it? Yeah,
1: correct.
0: Correct. So so Bernadette, I I think you in your coaching role, I think you straddle an interesting bridge um, that between personal coaching Mm -hmm. and professional coaching. Yep. Um, do you, do you, uh, first of all, you agree with that?
1: I absolutely. Well, again, you know, at work don't we don't, we don't, we can't let go of the personal and at home, trust me when I say at home, our work affects us.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It is. It is. It does. I mean, I'm just thinking from a coach's perspective that lives in that world, is there I mean, do you, in your own mind, as you're involved in coaching, do you have like personal coaching techniques and, and direction and then professional coaching techniques and direction? Do you separate them? or are they intertwined? How does it all work?
1: Um well, I, I, I will always say that a life coach is not necessarily a business coach. So those right. that are life coaches out there, most likely, well, not most likely. There's more than not that they're just life coaches. They don't have the business expertise and acumen to right. coach on business. But business coaches, they absolutely need to have the, the life coaching aspect, because, again, those people you're coaching in business are people. Right. And and the reason ninety nine percent of the reason why they're not doing what they're what they should be doing is not because they don't have the skill or the resources or even the money. It's because they have the fears and insecurities and doubts and negativities holding them back from pursuing what it is that they need to do in their business, whether it's corporate, because I work both corporate and entrepreneurs. I see. So. So to your point. What it looks like is when I first start working with someone and it's typically 95% of my business is coming from a business aspect. I don't get someone coming from me from a personal life aspect, but from a business aspect. But the first thing I I, I will talk to them about is, you know, their goals, dreams, aspirations, their vision, mm-hmm. which a good amount of that has to be the personal aspect because we're sure. not working to work. We're working to to build our lives and to build a legacy and to create something that will bring us happiness and joy, fulfillment, contentment, all that. So that has to get into the person. Sure. And it can be very uncomfortable. Trust me when I say, and like tomorrow I'll have today, I had like three sessions this week. I've had about 12 and getting business, especially corporate business people to strip away the business metrics and the business processes and the business uh, procedures and what it is they do in their job and to think about what it is that they want in their, in their, you know, heart and mind Mm -hmm. can be very challenging. Mm -hmm. And, and I don't take it on myself. I mean, I take it on, but, and I'm not even saying for myself, but for them, because they're not accustomed to it. Right. I wasn't accustomed to it. It, You know, I never looked at myself, Interpersonally, while I was in corporate for those twenty-five years, I never sat down and went, "Okay, what do I want from a, you know a heart perspective?" I mean, right. no way. You know, it was more like, "How am I going to get a promotion and build my bank account and get a new car and build a bigger house?" So you know, it 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 takes you know it takes a lot of compassion, it takes a lot of patience, it takes a lot of questions. So my job as a coach as any coach should, is is simply to ask questions, to listen, to understand, and then help them answer their own questions and make their own decisions and guide them through their own challenges. Um, So then they feel like, okay, I own me, like I own my my purpose and my vision and my my goals and my journey. Mm. Uh, so it's it is a balance um, because and they'll they'll push back. Uh, corporate people more so than entrepreneurs will push back to say, "Do we really need to you know do all this like woo woo <laughs> stuff, personal stuff?" Yeah. And I'm like, "Are you a person or are you your job?" Like you know, right? And, and then they'll and then they'll get you know they'll uh, they'll get there. But it's also why I always tell people you know it's not one coaching session and everything is where you want it to be. Right. Um, you know, so it's, I love it. I absolutely, absolutely love it. And um, I love learning about people, you know, coaching just is uh, a lot of fun.
0: Right. So you find it, you find coaching in and of itself fulfilling to you.
1: Yes. 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 It's
0: good to hear. I, I think uh, it'd be tough to hire a coach that didn't think that. <laughs>
1: Well, you'd be surprised. (laughs) You might be surprised. You might be surprised. But yeah, it's just I mean, you know, think about it, Tony. Who doesn't want to learn what the why the human behavior is the way that it is? I mean, that, you know, that's just so intriguing. Yeah. You know, I just I just like, why do you do what you do? Like, why are you thinking what you're thinking? And trust me, I start with me first. Right. Right. You know, I'm always I'm asking the same questions of myself regularly that I'm that, you know, that I am my my clients.
0: You haven't exactly expressed this, but this is a it's it's a topic that I'm kicking around a lot um, just because I'm fascinated by it. But I'm I'm talking about this phenomenon that you hear about in different places on the Internet, YouTube and wherever (laughs) that I started to hear about it in the middle of last year, pretty frequently, it's called the Great Resignation. And that's used, that's a label that's used to describe the phenomenon that seems to be taking place under COVID restrictions, where people are asking those kind of internal questions and resigning their corporate jobs and moving on into things that are more fulfilling. I was wondering if you have some thoughts around that.
1: Um, absolutely <laughs> well one i don't think it's limited to corporate i think many entrepreneurs who have lost their businesses or who could have turned you know or who could have pivoted their businesses but yet fell in victim to the fear and the anxiety and the stress that were, was is is out there and therefore they lost their their business mm-hmm. I think I think all of them have kind of said to myself, "Okay, you know, this has just been life changing, you know, heart changing. It's been, you know, it's it's, you know, kind of what it's made everyone question what is important is important. Is it important for me to work 60 hours a week or even 40 hours a week or even 30 hours a week? versus, you know, being able to move on and, and, you know, kind of even retire, let alone corporate, because there is a lot of people going from corporate to entrepreneurs, both being forced to, because they lost their job, Mm -hmm. or choosing to because of the discussion we're having, because Mm -hmm. they're asking themselves, is it worth me killing myself anymore? Uh, Just as I did back in 2008. At the same time, even those, but they're also asking themselves, am I going to resign from even working anymore? Is it, you know, even on my own or am I ready to, to, to retire? Even if it means I'm not going to retire the way I expected to retire.
0: That's interesting.
1: Previously. And Mm -hmm. uh, because I, you know, I uh, might've mentioned, but I'm one of 12. So, you know, we're like a focus group. My family's like a focus group. <laughs> you have your we own have, internal focus group. Our own internal focus group for, and, you know, um, other than the fact that that we're all white, um, you know, there's, so there's not much diversity there. Right. Um, but we can be our own focus group. And, um, you know, and there are several of them that have, you know, qu- questioned and even taken action on whether or not, you know, I even want to w- work. Do I want to resign just from working, period? But yeah, I th- I and the the thing about the great recession, that whole branding because that's what they someone did. Someone said, "I want to create some buzz, I want to create something viral, and I'm going to put a label to this thing." Because it's not as if it was a revolution that everyone just decided to do it. A, a good majority of those people were forced. Uh, yeah. To do it. And that to me isn't isn't necessarily a revolution. Right. A revolution is like you don't like what's going on so you stand up and you you know you know you force a change so you know i i think the labeling of the great resignation i have no kind of opinion on that but my view would be it's just a uh label someone put on there to to make it viral and to make it sticky and to create conversation which is fine which is yeah. fine yeah which is fine Yeah,
0: but you acknowledge uh I mean, in fact Think it's happening?
1: I mean, we would anybody would be ignorant to the idea that it's not because it's a a good majority of it. Well, no, not a good majority of it because there's two elements of it: forced and people taking a second look at at what what's important in life. And you you know what? That's a beautiful thing.
0: It is kind of
1: beautiful thing.
0: Well, that leads me into my next question. If you if you acknowledge that it's there, it's happening then we have to ask ourselves, is it good?
1: I think that's an individual thing. Is it good for that person as opposed to, you know, now economically, you know, is it good that, you know, we could be losing, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, you know, out of the, out of the economy, you know, that could be, you know, working. And because of also the younger people, you know, they're not necessarily stepping up wanting to work. (laughs) So, you know, is it, is it, you know, um, going to be good for our economy if we lose all of this major, major expertise and mm-hmm. intellectual, you know, intelligence and, and that kind of thing. Personally, my, my view is I am more concerned about my health, my well-being and my joy and satisfaction in making this one life that I have that goes really, really, really fast Full, complete, and, and and just abundant. And mm-hmm. if that if that means that there's a gap in the marketplace, well, so be it.
0: Yeah. yeah. I,
1: I you know, because that, but that goes to goes to people being afraid of feeling that they have to work for the machine. I won't right. call it a gender, but for the machine, as opposed to being concerned about themselves.
0: Yeah. Being yeah. concerned
1: about themselves. And what what do they want and what's going to make them happy? Yeah. And yeah. I don't know many people who have said work makes me happy.
0: The old adage. Uh, no one ever said on their deathbed, I wish I would have work more.
1: Right. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. Right. I, I've, nothing has been truer. <laughs> right.
1: Well, but. I love um, Expedia has a commercial out um, right now. And it's all it's this actor. I'm not sure who it is, but he's talking about, you know, are they are you really going to remember the the latest and greatest cell phone you bought or the thinnest TV you bought or the fanciest car you bought, or, and he walks out, you know, these doors that opens up to a beach, or you're going to remember, you know, the traveling that you've done and the memories you've captured. And it's true. And, you know, I mean, I'm 60, so I'm at that age where, but I, you know, but I also started when I, you know, left corporate, I started doing this reflection uh, Uh of what's most important to me. 12 years ago, when I was 48. So, um, you know, I just think people also get to a point, whether it's age or something forced on them, like Mm -hmm. the last couple of years, Mm -hmm. where they just start saying, you know, what's really important in, you know, in this world and in my life.
0: Right, right. Yeah, that's valuable right there. Um, I, you know, as I've been observing, I ask a lot of people about the great, great resignation because I'm, I'm so interested in everybody's take on it, um, mostly interested on whether or not they think it's real. <laughs> um, I think I see it. I think uh, I think I'm accepting that it, it is happening. And here I have a couple of hopes. I, I hope that inside of that, people are um, starting to live lives more out of who they are. Mm-hmm. And a more fulfilling life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but my other hope from a from a macro perspective and an economic perspective is I kind of like if there's a trend away from big corporations and two smaller businesses, I kind of like that.
1: I do too. I, um, well, yeah, yeah, I do too.
0: It feels the same to me as when you're investing, spreading your risk. Mm-hmm. Across many investments, rather than buying IBM, Apple, and Amazon stock,
1: right, right. No, it's true. It's no, it's absolutely true. And and from that perspective, I would agree with you. I, you know the the up the uprising of small businesses is fabulous. It's absolutely fabulous. Right. Yeah.
0: And and the I think the biggest plus side to that is, you know, I've I've talked to a couple people that have transitioned, you know, I transitioned in this time, I was a corporate guy. And a couple of people I've talked to, they are one of their, as they're going through transition, they set up certain criteria that the next thing has to meet. And one of them is, I can work any from anywhere. And I think that's just a recognition of the evolution of technology. Mm-hmm. And the fact that not everybody can work from everywhere, right. <laughs> anywhere, but if you're a plumber, I think you're pretty you're pretty well stuck to where the plumbing jobs are.
1: Right, but, right, but right.
0: A lot of our economy now has a has a foundation of uh, transportable jobs or or uh, you know virtual jobs, if you will. I mean, okay. heck, we're doing it right now.
1: We're not going, we're not going back to, you know, full you know, office building you know, in office type of, um, of uh, work any, uh, anymore. I mean, uh, the amount of people that made the transition, there's going to be a small percent having to go back, you know, into the the office, you know, and it, and talking economically, economically, it makes sense. But plus, like what you said, from a technology perspective, I have a number of 20 something nieces and nephews And when I tell you they are not in one location, you know, week by week, and they're yet you would never know that they're not doing their job, and they work for some significant businesses. Yeah, Um, and you would not never know that they're not working their job though. uh, You know, at night or on the weekend, they're you know in Telluride or they're in Africa Mm -hmm. or they're over in Europe.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, and it's Mm -hmm. just
1: kind of like you know. um, But I've been remote for. 20 some odd years. Yeah, again, the pioneer. So I, you know, so I'm, you know, I love the same thing. I mean, I'll take my work with me. I can do it anywhere I, you know, I want to do it. And that's what I do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's very, it's very freeing. If I was, uh, I think if I was the mayor of a a small rural town, especially out here in the West, I think what I'd spend all my tax money on is getting the best internet connection
1: infrastructure yeah
0: <laughs> i yeah. could buy for for people moving into my small town because i think that's you know when we say i want to work from anywhere you got to have that you got to have yeah. that internet connection you do, so, you do. So if I, if if i were mayor for a day i think that's where i put all my money and yeah i think it wouldn't take much more than that to attract sure. people back into the rural settings in america which I think it's nothing but a good thing.
1: Yeah. Well, rural resorts, you know, because resorts don't really focus on Internet connection, you know. Yeah. But if they did, because now these people are not coming just to vacation, yeah. they're coming to work choosing that they want to do and do it in a different location than an experience than where they typically do it. And so they need Internet in order to do that. And, you know, so, yeah, the, I yeah, you have a very valid, valid point there.
0: Well, Bernadette, uh, thank you for sharing your views. I want to go back um, to your to your internal process. And I I think I wrote it down correct correctly. Correct me if I get it wrong.
1: <laughs> I think you're,
0: you're encouraging people to start on a road of discovery self-discovery confront things in their own life and then maybe shed the negative things mm-hmm. and once that's complete then they're in a good position to create and accelerate their own life
1: did i get it right you you absolutely got it right i'll make one one little pivot and that is it's very much iterative as you are even discovering you are creating accelerating something different something new something bigger something better as you're confronting you're you're also being able to do that, so it's a very iterative type of. Oh, okay, process.
0: yeah, yeah I, it's
1: not sequential or linear. I,
0: I got you. Got yeah. you. Yeah, that's fascinating to talk about. And if people want to talk with you further about that concept, what's the easiest way to get in touch with you?
1: Easiest way is um, email me directly, Bernadette it at BallafireInc.com. Okay. Uh, but you can always go to BallafireCoaching.com and learn more about me.
0: OK, and let me just spell Bose for the listening audience. It's B-O-A-S. Correct. Bernadette Bose. Correct. Well, Bernadette, thank you so much. I appreciate your time and have a great day. What's left of it on the East Coast?
1: I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun talking to you, Tony.
0: Good talking to you. And strategist, until next time, keep on strategizing.